Welcome to the fifth message in our series uh, called Overwhelmed. This is the finale today. Uh, It's been a great series. We've heard so much uh, wonderful feedback of how much it's helping so many of of you, so many of us, uh, really, uh, in terms of winning over worry. And uh, today I want to talk about something I've really never devoted a whole message to, but I think in the context Uh, of this series, it's really important in the age in which we live. I want to talk about being overconnected, overconnected. And and really, if there's a truth uh, about our culture today, is because of technology, um, many of us, it has made life more complicated, not less complicated. And and uh, in fact, I was just on the phone with someone uh, a moment ago, and, and uh, they were like, hold on a minute, I'm waiting for my computer, you know, for it to pull the, what we're talking about, waiting for it to pull it up on my computer. And so uh, we're just kind of this pregnant pause in a, in a phone conversation. Uh, so, you know, many of us are really overconnected. We're way too connected to technology. It's something that's necessary, but we're really, it's almost like we're married to it. Can you imagine being married to technology? Well, well, better yet, instead of imagining it, let's just see it. Isn't that great? I, I mean, for those of you who recognize that as a scene from uh, the most awesome movie ever made, that's all. God, it's uh, Napoleon Dynamite. And uh, when I was preparing this message, talking about overconnected, I just kept thinking about Kip singing that at his wedding. Yes, I love technology. Uh, and, and, and for many of us, we really are. We're married to technology. And it's become a problem. In fact, uh, there actually are signs now that we've become digitally addicted. And, and you might actually be digitally addicted Uh, and not even realize it, that we can be addicted to technology. Let me give you a a few of the signs, which, by the way, I found online. (laughs) There's a little bit of irony there, I think. But signs that you're digitally addicted. Here's the first one, wasted hours. Wasted hours. Listen to this. this. This blew my mind when I heard this. In 2009, the average person, age 8 to 18... Age 8 to 18 is the, time, is the age span. In 2009, the average person spent more than seven and a half hours a day involved with non-school-related technology. Seven and a half hours a day. We're not talking about any technology in school. We're talking about before school and after school. A total of seven and a half hours a day in front of screens. That is shocking. Wasted hours. Wasted hours. Just, just uh, a- absolutely mind-blowing. Here's the second uh, sign, really, that you may be addicted digitally is ringsiety. Ringsiety. Have you ever experienced ringsiety before? Ringsiety is those phantom rings or uh, vibrations of your smartphone where, where you, you're sure you heard it and then you check it and there is no message there. You're sure it vibrated and there's really nothing there? Why is it? It's ringsiety. We're, we're so uptight about, you know, I've got to, I'm so attached to my phone. And as you can tell, I am. That's why it's up here. Uh, I'm so attached to my phone. I have ringsiety. It's another uh, uh, sign that you may be digitally addicted. Here's a third sign. Uh, cravings. 
craving, that we can actually have a craving for technology. We feel distressed, we feel anxious, or painfully isolated when we're separated from our technology. And you may be actually, if you are separated from your technology or separated from your phone, it is possible now physiologically, emotionally, intellectually to actually go through withdrawal. That's what research says, to actually go through withdrawal. Uh, Another sign, the fourth sign, that you may be digitally addicted, multitasking. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or anything like that multitasking, using two electronic devices simultaneously. In other words, you go home at night, you turn the TV on, you open up your laptop, and you're working on your computer while watching television. Multitasking. Not effectively doing either one. But it's another sign that you may be actually digitally addicted. And here's a fifth sign. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. You keep having to pull the phone out and to check. I know it rings if something, if an email comes or a text message, but even still, you're just not sure. Got to check Facebook every five minutes. Got to check Instagram. Got to check Twitter. Because you feel like, although you're in the real world, you're missing something in cyberspace. You just feel like you're missing out on something. Because there's so much in this world that you and I can't control, in the real world, we reach for artificial control through technology. And we feel like we can actually, it consumes us. And we feel like it's something that we can control. So we turn off our family, we turn off our friendships, and other pleasurable activities because we're actually digitally addicted. The fact about the matter is many of us are overconnected. Overconnected and it adds to the anxiety and the stress and the worries of life. That's why I've never done a message about technology before in 20 almost 25 years now as a pastor, but I just felt like this is the time. And, and I want to give a shout out again to Perry Noble who wrote this great book called Overwhelm. We've referred to it. Some of the themes that we've talked about come from this book. If you want to go deeper on the subject of, of winning against worry and the feeling of overwhelm, uh, check out Perry Noble's book uh, entitled Overwhelm. Here's the big idea today that I want us to really think about. Technology is a loudspeaker for what's already there. This message, I'm not kicking technology. I'm not saying, you know, completely unplug, have nothing to do with technology. It's so worldly. It's so evil. That's, that's not what really the message is about. I, I don't think it would actually be honest if it, that was what the message was about. It would lack integrity. Technology is a loudspeaker for what's already there. In other words, technology is neutral. It's what you do with it. It's just like money. Money is neither evil nor good. It's how you use it. It's your perspective on it. It's a tool. Do you know that currently, one-fifth, I heard this statistic, it just blew my mind, one-fifth of all divorces now in America mention Facebook in the divorce proceedings? One-fifth. One-fifth of all divorces mention Facebook. 
The fact about the matter is, technology is a terrific tool, but it is a terrible taskmaster. Let me just say that again. Technology is a terrific tool, but it is a terrible taskmaster. And so the reality is technology is a loudspeaker for what's already inside of us, each of us individually, the ones that use it. And so uh, we can use it for a redemptive purpose when the love of God is flowing through us in the use of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and, and whatever platform you prefer, social media especially. Or if it's depravity inside of us, then that's what's going to come out through our use of technology. And so when I started thinking about this message, there's, there's a lot actually. You might say, well, well, what does the Bible have to say about technology? Well, the word technology is not in there. But understand this, technology is a loudspeaker for what's already there. In other words, what motivates us, what our passions are, what our desires are. The Bible has a lot to say about that. Just like, just like uh, money, uh, just like the printing press, for instance. In 1500s, when, when Gutenberg did the mo movable type and, and began to print uh, the first Gutenberg press uh, in Germany, you know the first thing that was ever printed was the Bible. But, but the printing press and the, the invention of movable type, it also allowed for all kinds of other things to be printed as well. And so it was the beginning of what we would say pornography was because of the printing press. It's not the printing press's fault. It's the depravity inside the people using the printing press. Either the redemption, Christ-like character, or the depravity. And so the printing press is neutral. It's how we use that. And, and so the Bible talks a lot, an awful lot about motivation and all throughout the scripture, what motivates us, why we do what we do. And so in our time together, I want to spend some time uh, really in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, in fact, the whole book of Galatians is just a real uh, kind of a big picture perspective. It's all about freedom. It's all about the freedom that Christ purchased for each and every one of us that would receive him as our Lord and Savior on the cross through the cross, he purchased it for us. And, and so Galatians is all about freedom. A and it talks about how to use our freedom that Christ has purchased for us through his perfect life, his substitutionary death, and his resurrection from the dead. To use our freedom in a way that glorifies him. In the right perspective. And so let's begin in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. I, I love how it, it puts this uh, in the God's Word translation. That GW is not Greg Williamson translation. There's actually a translation in the New Testament called God's Word. Uh, and I love how it puts Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom and don't become slaves again. Another translation, I believe it's the NIV, says it was for freedom that Christ died to set you free. God is all about freedom. Freedom to live life the way he created us to live life. And so that's the warning here in Galatians chapter 5. Christ has freed us so that we would enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom and don't become 
slaves again. We can become enslaved to technology. We can become enslaved to it. Where it's not a tool that we use. Instead, it's a taskmaster that makes demands upon us and we don't feel it and we give up our freedom because of it. And so that's Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And then the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of, of Galatians, uh, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting book because it's not written to a specific church. It's written to a region, the region of Galatia. And it's written to Christians in that region uh, of the, the world at the time. And so he goes on, and after this big statement, big picture statement, he goes into great detail about this whole idea of freedom and slavery. Being free to serve the Lord, being free to live life to its fullest, the way that God created us and desires for you and I to live life, or becoming enslaved again. And so let's pick it up now in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 reading from the New Living Translation, and it says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Now, stop right there. Notice who it's directed to. Those who are Christians. Those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Well, why are you making such a big point of that, Greg? Because it's very important about what's about to come after this. That we realize it's not talking about them out there. It's talking about us up in here. That's who this is addressed to. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom, watch this now, to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to satisfy the thing that Christ died to set us free from, to give us victory over, so that we could be overcomers. It goes on and it says, instead, use your freedom, what? To serve one another in love. Well, there you go. That's, there's, there's our first tip in terms of technology, isn't it? How should we use technology? To serve one another in love. That it's not about me. Hold on just a minute. Just taking a little selfie there. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about serving others. The Christian life, everything we do is supposed to be other-centered not self-centered. And so it says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Then it goes on and says, verse 14, for the whole law, that, that's the Old Testament law, particularly in Leviticus, but the whole Old Testament law, all those, those, those details, all that stuff, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, now, let's not misunderstand what's being said here. It's not, the scripture here is not telling us, you know, self first. Put yourself first. Not at all. Put God first. Put others second. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm number three. I'm third on the list. I'm not first. I'm not second. I'm third. That's the perspective of a follower of Christ. I am third. And, and that's what's being referred to here as all. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so one of the great things we can begin to see, how do we use technology? Is it to love our neighbor? 
Is it to communicate love to others? Encouragement, inspiration, empowering them, being positive. Wow, I didn't know the Bible talked about technology. Of course it does. There it is. We're just getting started here in, in looking at this. Look at verse 15. This describes many of our online <laughs> profiles. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Boy, doesn't that, doesn't that just kind of <laughs> hit home for us? There's so much biting and devouring on social media especially that there's something about when you can't see the person, you'll say things you would never say to someone's face. You exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Put it in all caps. It, it, it's kind of the same thing. Have you ever noticed this before? It, it's, it's, it's the same thing about when you're in your car. Someone cuts you off in your car and you're surrounded by steel. You'll give looks you would never give to someone if they were just standing right in front of you. Some people will give gestures. They would never dream of giving to someone else if they were standing right in front of them. But when I'm protected by a steel car, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The same thing so many times with technology, with social media. And it says, but if you're always biting and devouring one another, he's talking to Christians, not them, us. Watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So important that we see this contrast that the Holy Spirit is making through the Apostle Paul as he's writing to us the scripture in Galatians. Encouraging one another, loving one another, or as it says, biting and devouring one another. Then it goes on in verse 16. And it says, here's the key. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's the freedom that Christ purchased for you and I, that the Holy Spirit would guide our lives. And that also means our online lives. That also means our technological lives. That we're not compartmentalizing it. Let the Holy Spirit guide your Sunday morning, and then don't think anything about it the rest of the week. Not at all. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. See, every one of us, it, we, we have that craving inside, that bend. We're bent towards sinfulness and self-centeredness and, and selfishness. I want what I want when I want it. And the answer, the remedy in Scripture is walking, let the Holy Spirit, walking by the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And, and then you won't give in to those cravings. Th those cravings that we even talk about where we feel distressed and we're anxious and we're painfully isolated when we're separated from our technology. We won't give in to those cravings when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. It goes on and says in verse 17, the sinful nature, we all have one, none of us are perfect. I have it, you have it. We all struggle with it. That's why we have to defer to the Holy Spirit that's given to us when we receive Christ as our Savior. He fills us 
and he wants to guide us and lead us. We have to lean in that direction when everything in us is pulling towards self-centeredness. And it says, the sinful, nature, nat- uh, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Again, this is in the context of followers of Jesus Christ. This is the daily battle that every one of us faces. And we're applying it to the, our use of technology and overconnected. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit, notice the capital S, that means the Holy Spirit, every time you see that in Scripture. What the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. We feel this struggle inside of us. And it goes on, it says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other in Greg Williamson's life in your life as well, constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions because there's this battle going on inside. And when we allow ourselves to be enslaved to something else, we give in to it instead of fighting that good fight of faith. And it goes on and says, But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. We're not under all these obligations of these rules and regulations. See, I'm not going to give you all kinds of rules and regulations today about how to use technology. That would completely defeat what's being said here in Galatians chapter 5 and pretty much the entire New Testament. It's not about rules and regs. It's about walking in the Holy Spirit and living a life that glorifies Jesus Christ in all the choices that we make, small and great as well. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. And then it goes on into verse 19, and again, showing this contrast between walking in the flesh or walking, giving into the sinful cravings that we all battle with, every one of us, or walking in the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit himself is speaking through the Apostle Paul and showing this contrast in a greater light. Look at verse 19. When you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are very clear. Very clear. What does it look like when we're following the desires of the sinful nature? First one, it says sexual immorality. Now, now that's pretty interesting in the original language of the New Testament, this word, which is defined here, or translated here in the New Living Translation, transfers it, uh, translates it in two words, sexual immorality. In the Greek, the original language of the New Testament was written, this is a word in the Greek, name, it, it, it's pronounced this way, porneo, porneo. It's where we get our word pornography from. Or porn. It says, that's one of the results of our sinful nature. Pornography, porn. And by the way, it doesn't mean just visual things. It doesn't mean uh, digital pictures or digital movies. The word in Greek, porneo, literally means any sexual activity outside the the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman. Any, Any sexual activity outside of marriage between a man and a woman. That's how the Bible defines it, is considered sexual immorality. 
is considered porn, porneo. And it says this is part of the sinful nature. This is part of the sinful crave. Don't give in to that. Don't give in to that. And it goes on and it talks about also impurity is part of this sinful nature. Lustful pleasures is feeding that craving, that sinful nature inside. It goes on and says, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. How hostile has the world wide web become? Hostility, quarreling. I'm not going to ask you last time you quarreled with somebody online. Jealousy, outbursts of anger. Doesn't this just sound like many profiles? <laughs> many digital footprints that we have? Selfish ambition, dissension, division. You're in, you're out. I'm right, you're wrong. You, this whole group is wrong. That whole group is right. Everyone who, who, who uh, agrees with me is right, and anyone else that doesn't is wrong. Division, it all comes from sin inside of us. Sin inside of you. Sin inside of me. It goes on and says, envy, drunkenness. You know, in envy and jealousy, those are not really the same words. There's a difference between envy and jealousy. You know what it, the difference is? Jealousy is, I want one of what they have. That's jealousy. You know what envy is? I want theirs. So, so, so let me put it this way for the sake of illustration. It, it's not, boy, I'd like a car like he has. I want that exact same car. In fact, I'm going to go in his driveway and steal it. That's envy. I want to take it from him. Something that's not rightfully mine. So that it's mine. Theft, the sin behind stealing, is envy. It says envy and drunkenness. 2,000 years ago, these were the problems that people had. We haven't gotten any better. Clothing has changed, culture has changed, technology, you know. Same human beings. And remember, he's writing to Christians who are struggling with all these things. Christians. And so it's that wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, now this is so important. Let me tell you again, as I have before, the scripture says, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Got your attention? Wow. What are you saying, Greg, that any of those things, that list right there in the scripture? I, I, I've done some of those things. Does that mean I'm, I'm out? I'm not going to see heaven? That's not all what that means. Remember, he's talking to Christians. He's speaking to Christians. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ in your life and my life today, as well as in the future. It's not saying that you lose your salvation here. The Bible makes it very clear. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not whosoever keeps this list of do's and don'ts. A lot of times the Bible's been misinterpreted and preached that way. But that's not what salvation is. What it means is this. As Christians, you and I are better than that. And when we engage in this kind of stuff, guess what? 
we are failing to live at the level that God wants you and I to live this life at, the blessed life, the abundant life. We're like, no, I'd rather live life in the gutter. I'd rather be miserable and full of worry and anxiety and pressure and stress and all these different, you know, all these different things. And, and so, so it's like the scripture, the Holy Spirit speaking through the scripture to you and I today in terms of technology and saying, listen, you're better than that. You're better than that. You're, you're a child of the king. You're better than that. Don't Don't settle. Don't settle. It means here and now, living the fulfilling life that Christ died to set you free to live. Don't be enslaved to these things any longer. Overcome. I love how uh, Charles Spurgeon put it. He said, it's not your hold on Christ that saves you. It's Christ's hold on you. Man, that's powerful. It's not your hold on Christ that saves you. It's Christ's hold on you. Christ is holding on to me. And when these cravings come up inside of Greg Williamson and I, and I feel like I'm, I'm bending and I'm struggling, Jesus is holding on. And when I trip and I fall, Jesus is holding on. He saved me. I didn't save myself. And, and so... This is really, I, I was thinking about it, this is a way we could express this kind of uh, contrast that's going on here. When we indulge in sin as a Christian, what does it lead to? Slavery. When we give in to that sinful nature that every one of us has, slavery, we become enslaved, we're overconnected. And so we have anxiety when, when our technology is not real close to us and, and we're worried and we're, we're fidgety and we actually could go through physical withdrawal because I don't know where I put my phone. And we become enslaved. Sin always equals slavery. But here's the contrast. Jesus always equals freedom. Jesus always equals freedom. And as we read in Galatians chapter 5, it was for freedom that Christ died to set you and I free. Don't be enslaved again. Don't become a slave. And in contrast to those works of the flesh, as the Bible calls it, that we just looked at there in Galatians 5, now Paul is, is saying, and the Holy Spirit speaking through him, you know, don't be enslaved, be free. Walk in the freedom that Jesus has bought for you. Now he, he gives the other side of the coin, the, the, uh, the other side of the equation. What does freedom look like? When, when he says, you're better than that, follower of Christ, you're better than those things, indulging yourself in those things. What does it look like to walk in the Holy Spirit? Next verse, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives when we walk in the Spirit, love, joy. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is, is, is an abbreviation, really, of a word, happenstance, circumstance. We, we have a positive emotion because of good circumstances. That's happiness. That's, 
We're better than that as a Christian. The Holy Spirit cultivates joy. That means no matter what the circumstances is, we still have this confidence and this, this, this positive outlook, not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Let me ask you a question. Do those words describe your use of technology? That's freedom. That's freedom. It goes on. It doesn't end right there. Gentleness and, oh, no, he didn't. Yes, God did. Self-control. Self-control. That we need to even use self-control when it comes to technology. There is no law against these things. See, that's freedom. When we walk in the Spirit, we're so far from those sinful cravings inside of us that, that, we're, that the law of the Spirit inside of us is so much greater, so much higher, so much better than rules and regulation. So much better than. And so it goes on in verse 24 and it says, and I love this, those who belong to Jesus Christ, to Christ Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That's what we're supposed to do with those desires. Nail them to the cross. That we realize Jesus paid the price for all of my personal sins, Greg Williamson's personal sins on the cross, and leave them there. And he paid the price for all your personal sins as well, every last one of them on the cross. Leave them there. Don't pull them off and start walking around and start giving in to them. Walk in the Spirit. Let me just read this again. This is such a beautiful verse. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And then in the next verse, verse 25, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading, watch this now, in every part of our lives, even the use of technology. In every part of our lives, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And isn't that really one of the things that really happens, particularly in social media? You see someone else's picture, you know, that you went to high school with. You're like, man, they look exactly the same. Man, they, they still have a full head of hair. You know, and, 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 and jealousy is what so many times begins to come out. They just look like they have the perfect family. I ran into someone a couple years ago that, that is a friend of mine on Facebook, and I saw him in real life, and I hadn't seen him in, in, in a number of years, and I was like, my Lord, my God, you don't even look like the same person. Instead of saying, what a wonderful picture on Facebook, after that, I, what I felt like saying was, you are an expert at Photoshop. That's what I wanted to, I'm like, they didn't even look like the same person. You're an expert. Did you, did you create Photoshop? I mean, I couldn't believe it. It's like, not the same person. And, and it says, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous 
of one another. And so this is the contrast. Here's the big idea again, remember? This is why it's so important. Maybe it's clearer now than it was before. Technology is a loudspeaker of what's already there. Technology is a loudspeaker for what's already inside of us. It's not bad. It's how we use it. And God wants you and I to use it in a way that we have self-control and that it's a terrific tool, not a terrible taskmaster. And so let me give you, as we're winding up, seven steps to digital wellness. If, if you're like, whoa, I, I need a detox here. And I've been implementing these in my own life. We went on a road trip uh, last weekend, uh, Susie and I, and, and it was great for me to just kind of detox, if you will. I just decided those nine hours on the road, I wasn't going to touch my phone. It was great. And it was, I, I felt some of these things. Here, here's a seven steps to digital wellness. Here's the first one. Unplug. Unplug. It's important to have a, a, what I'll call a digital fast once a day, once a week, once a month. Be begin to schedule time where you're just completely unplugged. That means computer, phone, television. As we talked about in this series, that Sabbath, 15 minutes. Maybe you use your phone, you know, for the devotion, but then find some other time where you're just like, it doesn't matter what alert, what notification comes, I'm not responding for this amount of time every single day. Unplug, once a day, once a week, once a month. Here's the next thing. Invest in relationships. Invest in relationships, real relationships. Real people trump virtual ones. They really do. Susie and I have some, some good friends uh, in the church family we like to spend time with. And, and I remember a number of years ago, uh, I've been on Facebook since 2007, I think it was, a long time. And, and uh, we, we were at their house uh, having a meal with them one time. And, and I was sitting there and I was on my phone. And um, my... my my friend's wife, she's pretty direct, and, and uh, she said, what are you doing, Greg? And I said, oh, uh, I'm, just, I'm just online, it's this Facebook thing, I'm just checking this. And she goes, uh, why don't you stop talking to your cyber friends and talk to your real friends? And, and I just wanted to say, you know, don't take this personally, but why don't you just shut up? <laughs> I, I know, I didn't say that, but. But, but it, just, it just made me realize, like, we, we set a time to get together as couples, and here I am, <laughs> like that, <laughs> like that, read that, you know. Just, just put it away. We, we make a point in the Williamson family, dinner is a no-phone zone. No-phone zone. Just put it away. Invest in relationships. Here's the third thing. Establish digital boundaries. Establish digital boundaries. Limit when you use digital devices and how much time you're going to spend on them. It's so important. We, one of our daughters, when she was younger, was having a hard time sleeping at night, and, and we went to the doctor just to make sure there wasn't anything wrong. You know, it was like her checkup, I guess, or her annual checkup, and we told her about it. And you know what the doctor said? Turn off all screens 30 minutes before you go to bed. All screens, phone, computer, television and it was amazing all of a sudden she started falling asleep at a reasonable time instead of the overstimulation 
all the time, and then we expect the child to go to sleep, or we expect ourselves to go to sleep. Why am I tossing and turning? Because I always have my face in a screen. So, so establish digital boundaries. Here's the fourth thing. Find things you enjoy doing in real life and do them. Do them. Find things you enjoy doing in real life and actually do them, like going for a walk. Walk around the neighborhood. Keep your phone in your pocket just in case of an emergency, but don't answer it. Don't look. Go out there, feel the sun on your face. Well, not so much here in the wintertime, but uh, the fresh air, you'll feel that cold air in your lungs, that's for sure. That's, that's the fifth one. Get outside. Get outside. I can't wait to get outside even more when spring comes. It's like, uh, I, in my mind, I'm just like, I'm never going indoors again. I'm never going in the house. Once it gets over 50, forget it. But get outside. Enjoy God's creation. Not to get a great picture but just to take it in for yourself. Power down and get some sleep. Power down and get some sleep. Your brain thrives with sleep, and it doesn't work very well without it. Here's the seventh thing. Cultivate your God space daily. That, that, that time we've talked about, that Sabbath time. Cultivate that every day. Take time to be still and know that he's God. And so here it is again, this big idea that's so important, I think. Technology is a loudspeaker for what's already there. Go back and look at some of your social media stuff. What does it say about what's inside of you? What you value? What you prioritize? what's truly important in your life. Let me just end with this where we started our study today. Galatians chapter five, verse one. And this is what it says. Christ has freed us so that we may enjoy the benefits of freedom. Therefore, be firm in this freedom and don't become slaves again. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you meant life to be so much more fulfilling and, and, and blessed and, and deeper and greater than so many of us realize. And, and, and Lord, we, we all, from time to time, we, we've lived below what you intended for us to. So, Father, as we conclude this series today, Overwhelmed, and this message about being overconnected, we confess our dependence upon your Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us and to give us wisdom, Lord, particularly today on this subject of technology. Give us wisdom, Lord, that we would walk by the Spirit in our use of technology and we would take time daily, weekly, and monthly to unplug and to be refreshed in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.